Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans. Rebel. Vicious. But brilliant. You're with it. What's got around the back? And Richie Wood has done it again. The magic man has come up with another trick. Well, there's a chance to seal it. It's done. It's Georgie Kelly. Everybody, welcome to New York Talk. This is the Rotherham United podcast, and Rotherham United are back. Um, not the Rotherham United we wanted to see, but that's football for you. Um, we will be going through the 90 minutes on Saturday afternoon and doing everything I can possibly do to avoid talking about the England game, but it may come up. Um, so yeah, it could be a fun one. Uh, mix with us, mix back with us. How are you doing, Michael? I'm all right, Paul. How are you? I'm very good, very, very good. Well, you know, yeah. better than I were yesterday. Yeah, uh, Danny, how are you doing? I'm all right, thank you very much. Good stuff. And Tom Ayers back with us. How are you doing, Tom? Yeah, I'm all good. I'm all good. I can feel the negativity <laughs> from <laughs> all of us. You can tell we're Englishmen who watched Rotherham yesterday as well, can't you? Hello, darkness, <laughs> my old friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah. And you're out um, again. <laughs> Quite a lot to go on the Rotherham side of things as well. So we'll cover some like the selection issues and performances and all sorts of fun and games. Kev Johnson's with us and joining us. Kev, YouTube user says, evening, gentlemen. Not a very good day at the office on Saturday. No, it wasn't. Um, Hell, El Astro will come on to this. Eric Astro's with us, says it was a really bad atmosphere. Um, Phil Ronson's also with us. Jan Simpson as well. Um, yeah. Oh, Danny's gone. Time is gone, but I'll shut down. I'll come back in a moment. Yeah. Um, let's start with the lineup, Mick. It turns out that there is an illness in the camp, uh, which Matt, Matt, uh, Matt Taylor did allude to speaking to Danny last week, which, which we'll, you'll, we'll, you will hear from Matt Taylor later in the episode when my Danny spoke to him from, from the Portland Fans Forum. Um, turns out Cam Humphreys, as much as he is an amazing player, he is crucial to the way we play because it was very obvious that we were missing Cam Humphreys. Well, I mean, you know, earlier in the season when uh, when he weren't playing, it were obviously we were missing him then as well. Um, so, so yeah, it, it is very, very important to the way we play, and I don't think that significantly affected the performance yesterday. Um, it it appears that there are other issues that we weren't aware of at the time in terms of this illness that's going through the camp. There were, quite clearly, some players were playing yesterday who were not. Not much, not ready, not ready to play, um, and the performance reflected that, didn't it? Just a bit. Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, no other changes from what I can remember um, from the from the Luton game, Tom. But it, it, it had the feel to me, and it had a feeling of a preseason friendly. I thought the atmosphere yeah. was flat, a bit like a preseason friendly. I thought yeah. both teams played as if it was the first game in four weeks, which I know it was, and that's a really stupid, obvious thing to say, but. I expected a bit better, I expected a bit more bravery and a bit more zip, and it was just lacking in almost all the areas for us. Well, yeah, yeah, I think I think we all did, didn't we? Because, you know, under Taylor, we play a lot, you know, I won't say better football, but, you know, a lot more fluid football, a lot, you know, more dynamic, etc. Yeah. And you think, with a big break like he had in Cyprus, you think, 
brilliant. We come back and it's going to be, you know, this free, free flowing attacking football, but it just wasn't. And um, like you said, well, I think the only other change was uh, probably Kyoso on it. And I think, although he's Absolutely. only played a couple of games, he's actually, you know, probably our best, our best um, decision down there. But that's not to say that uh, Cuffy didn't have a bad game. I think he was very lively in the first half, but he does seem to get a bit tired very quickly and, um, you know, defensively, he's not quite as good as Kyoso. So I think that's the only real, um, well, other than Humphreys and uh, all, all the others that we've already mentioned as being, you know, integral to the to the game. You know, it just like you said, it was just it just felt flat, and it just didn't really feel like we properly got going at all. Much, you know, only only they know themselves as to why. Yeah, they do. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, let's go through comments. Danny's back with us. Um, Sorry, uh, Finn, Finn into the back door. I apologise. <laughs> John Morell asked, even gents, shot one for him because he's going to watch another podcast, but was it as bad as the scoreline suggested? Danny, if we talked about the poor points, do you think, do you think, it, think Bristol City deserved, also, I'm not asking if they were good because I don't think they were, but did they deserve the win? Um, I think in terms of what they offered during the game, I would say, yeah, they probably just edged it. Um I would say 3-1 flattered them a little bit, I think. Um, but I think overall, they've probably just done about enough to edge it. I mean, let's, let's be honest, we, we both weren't very good, were we? Yeah. It's just that Bristol City were just ever so slightly not quite as bad as we were. Um, but mm. you can sort of expect that when it's first game back after four weeks off. You know, I, I said in the last podcast, it's either going to be um, very, very good, or <clears throat> a bit like the first game of the season. And it did have the feel of the first game after pre-season, or even a pre-season friendly in some regards. No, it, it was cold, the atmosphere was flat, um, the cold maybe played a part. I think some people may have been thinking about the England game later in the evening and the fact of how yeah. weird it is with the World Cup still being on. It was... I don't want to say a perfect storm, but you can understand why it was a bit flat and why we weren't very good. Um, but like the player says to us afterwards, we move on to next week and a man should be on that next. Yeah, it should. Um, we'll talk about Bristol City briefly now, because I know you made up one, doing what wants to say, but I know you you were unimpressed by them. Uh, it's fair to say, and apologies to any Bristol City fans watching that about this, but make his program. They were were, for me. I don't. I wasn't impressed with them. I think we helped them significantly. Oh, massively so, massively so. Um, We were we were awful. We were absolutely awful. You know, I've got nothing else about our performance. You know, it was just it was as flat as the crowd were, and the crowd were the crowd was crap as well. You know, the performance of the players was crap. The performance of the crowd was rubbish. Um, it's difficult to comment on an away side because you obviously only see them at home once a season. Um, and, and I take account fully of the final score. Um, but they were the worst team that we've played this season at New York Stadium on the, based on that one game, obviously. Um, they were. Um, but we were even worse. Um, That game was there for the taking. They were there for the taking. Um, And I think for me, coming out of the ground, having lost 3-1, you know, if if, if we lost 3-1 and they played us off a park, I wouldn't wouldn't necessarily have an issue Mm. per se. Um, But they didn't. They didn't. They were were just as bad as we were. Um, So... It was it was a terrible terrible game and it wouldn't have it wouldn't have looked out of place somewhere below national league, you know, in terms of the quality that we're on show. It, it was just dreadful, um, and, and they contributed just as much to that as we did, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but they they took the chances we didn't even create any really, did we? So that's. Uh... Tanny's dog is having a moment. I think. Sorry, that's the scratching you can hear. One minute. <laughs> Um, it's not me having a fit. Um, Simpson says we can't play Pelty and Wood together, it has to be one or the other. Obviously, Tom, that's forced upon us a little bit because of the the illnesses in the camp. Um, but I think Woody, they're both really good examples of 
players who played well below their station. Peltier had a terrible game by by his own standards, not by just general football. By his oh, own absolutely. standards, that was his worst performance in Rotherham shirt. And Woody yeah. went back a little bit. In previous years, Woody took four or five games to get going again. And that's what it yeah. looked like. It looked like Woody, he'd not played for, obviously, I know he's not played for a while, but he just looked cold. Um, and they exploited yeah. the right hand side, were just, they were having fun down that right hand side, especially the first half. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was just balls in behind and it was just Sunday league defending. I mean, that own goal, <laughs> the first goal just summed it up. Yeah. You know, it's, it's something you go in, um, you go to the park and see, you know, amateur footballers do that and you think, ha, could never, you know, happen. But it does. And, I, I I don't know. I, I think Woody and Peltier are two brilliant defenders who have really helped us this season a lot. And that's not to take away from any like anything they've done, but they were both very very poor. And I I think that even I I don't know about if you guys agree with this, but I genuinely thought McCart was quite defensively sound. And I think having a left footer on the left hand side did. I I I don't understand why we've not done that before. I I I don't know. I just you think? I mean, obviously, he. I don't know if he came out and said it was a tactical change. I couldn't really make out if it was. I think I think it was a tactical change bringing off Woody. I I just think, yeah, obviously, because the lack of pace at the back really does show when you play them two together, especially against. I, I didn't even think he was. You know that uh, Conway was. You know that aggressive that sharp he just seemed to just be quicker which was you know if, yeah. if I'm quicker than them too I could play up front and run them off the park kind of that's the kind of form that they were in and it just seems like their positioning was all over the place as a back three um yeah it, it just didn't it didn't feel like a Rotherham United defensive performance which is upsetting to see because that's what we pride ourselves on you know we make games hard for the opposition and Yesterday we just didn't at all. It, two silly mistakes and you're two nil down and it well two one down and it's you know you've got a mountain to climb at that point. So we did it to ourselves in a lot of ways. So you know mm. we'll have to see what Saturday brings. Yeah, I, I felt then it it harked back to the whole game at home where we just we just weren't very good and we allowed. A, a, I think Hull were much better than the uh, Bristol City probably. I don't think they, they'll often do much better because we, we're just helping these teams at home. We, you know, we, we go to Bramall Lane and we go to you know, Burnley and we make it really difficult for these teams. And then these mid-table teams come to us and we're just sort of laying down the red carpet almost for them. That's really frustrating because th those two games are ones you think, right, we're at home against a mid-table team. Target them for four points out of those two games, something like that. I don't get why this... Two games is obviously not a pattern, but it, it's the start of one. Could be the start of one. Yeah, I think... <clears throat> um, I don't know what to think. I think it's just... It, it could be a mix of new manager syndrome as well, you know, trying to adapt to his style, but he's also trying to adapt to the style we've got players for at the same time. Um, and then... You know, there's a bit more pressure on you when you're playing at home as well, and yeah. it could just be stacking up against us. I've noticed that we're not walking out to music anymore, mm. at least for the last few games, um, which is like, you know, we need to get that going again because it not only gets the fans going, it gets the players going as well. Um, but yeah, it's it it could be a number of things, in in my opinion, anyway, and it could be accumulation of all of those things, and. You can't really nail it to one thing. You know, it's not a case of it's the new system or it's the new manager or it's players having off days or this, that, and other or it's the pressure of it being at home. I think it's just a mix of all of them. Um, and that's probably why the fans forum they said, no, we're not extending the away end because they're making enough yeah. noise as it is. Um, yeah, it's just frustrating, but we at least we've had those four weeks where Taylor has ensued a little bit of his own tactics into them. And again, that could have stacked up to it as well. They were trying to play more to the Taylor system and it's the first game back. You know, so that's why I'm a little bit not as annoyed, shall we say, that we've lost 3-1 to Bristol City when it is almost like the start of a new season. You know, it, it was the same against Swansea. We weren't very good against Swansea, but we got a draw out of it. Against Bristol, we got to the point where we thought, here, we could actually draw this. And then the defence went to sleep and we conceded straight away and that killed the game because we conceded so quickly afterwards. 
Um, we'll, we'll we'll get back we'll get back to a sense. We just need to give it time. You know, this is the start of a new season, almost. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then I, I think against West Brom. I mean, a few other players said this to us when they were on the way back to the cars. You know, minds are on West Brom. And if you them said they think we can beat West Brom, and it's like, mm. yes, that's the mentality we need. We need to leave that loss at the door and focus on next Saturday. By the sounds of it, they're already doing that, which is fantastic to me, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, Matt Till's also said that the the training for next week potentially is going to be delayed almost because of this this outbreak of chest infection. It sounds like, which is obviously not ideal. But losing the day's training better than infecting seven more players, isn't it? So that would make sense if that's the case. Um, Kev Johnson says he thought Chio and Wildy worked well for the first 30 minutes, but the game was crying out for the big man up top. Kelly washed these were all brought on too late. In Matilda's defense, um, uh, he did report Paul Davis reported essentially that they, he almost brought Kelly on as early as he possibly could, um, which is a shame because it, it was good, it was very, very good when he came on. Uh, but you've, you've got to be careful. Um, but then, Mick, if you can't bring Kelly on, that's fine. Bring Eves on. Let's give Eves some time. Let's give Eves some match time. It was crying out for somebody, something different, especially in that second half when it started going really flat. It needed something different. And Chio didn't work as, a, as, as in the second half as a central striker. Uh, it, and the changes did help. But it, by then, the game were gone, really. It felt like the game were gone. I mean, it, Chio's not going to work if you keep pumping ball onto him. You know, oh, yeah, exactly. it's absolute, absolutely pointless. Um, and we did that far too many times, far too many times. Um, we said it yesterday at the game, Matt, and, 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 and you were, well, you said it, and you're absolutely right. Whilst Chio's 10 goals this season, has he got now, I think? Um, oh, yeah. he, he is far, far more effective out on that right-hand side, far more effective. Um, and, and as soon as we did bring on Kelly and Eves and the ball started going into, into the box, we started creating some opportunities um, unfortunately, playing Chio as a, as a single as a, as a lone striker, um, you've got to play to feet. If you're not going to play to feet, it's a pointless exercise uh, because it, it, with the best will in the world, he's, he's not the type of player that's going to start winning balls in the air. Um, that's not his game. So, yeah, I mean, maybe they could have brought him on earlier. Kelly was very effective when he came on or started to become effective. Um, when we finally started putting some balls into the box. <laughs> but 10 minutes before end, before we started doing that, um, I don't think you can overstate the the, the, the effect that this uh, what, this illness, whatever it is that's going through the squad, has affected them because I can't think of any other reason why they would have performed the way that they performed unless half of them are ill. I just can't. Not bearing in mind the performances that we've put in this season. I suppose the only caveat to that is that we've had Sunderland away, we've had Hull at home, uh, and we've had this. That's three performances where it's not even up to, like I said earlier on, it's not even up to National League level, let alone Championship. It's just dreadful. So You could throw um, Blackburn in there as well, but that was definitely a transition game, wasn't it? I wouldn't. I don't think the performance at Blackburn was that bad at all. Not at all. Um, at times it were. Well, I, in, I would in pockets, the defensively was embarrassing at times, wasn't it? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I would argue not. I would argue that the the, the three goals we conceded at Blackburn were defensive mistakes, but they were in isolation. There weren't um, long periods of of aimless aimless play, which is basically what we had yesterday. So. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's one of those things, isn't it? You know, we, if we were able to turn it on every week and, and put in performances like we put in at, at Burnley and at Sheffield United, um, then we wouldn't be even considering where we're going to finish this season. It wouldn't be an issue. We're not at that level yet, you know. Um, so it's a new manager, some new players at this level. Um, it's, it's taking time. It's taking time. We've overachieved as to what we expected at this point of the season anyway, I think. So we've got some credit in the bank at the moment, but that'll run out very quickly. Oh, it will. It definitely will. Um, yeah. Um, Gerald Sim says, I'm on the atmosphere. Atmosphere is flat. What will it take for the players to, 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 take the, to get the fans behind the team? 
It's like our nerves and only seeps into the players. Yeah, strange. I don't know whether it was the weather with the Archdiocese, the England game, the first game back. It just felt like both sets of fans just sort of didn't really know what, what to do. It, it was strange. Um, I think from I think, both. I fans. think everyone were a bit tired that it were half 12 kickoff. As well, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ariel Astro says we need to get the ball into the box more. And this is one of my frustrations from yesterday, Tom. We brought on Georgie Kelly, we brought on Tom Eves, and obviously Washington. Georgie Kelly got got one cleared off the line and an absolutely stunning save from the goalkeeper both late on. Mm. And then we just stopped putting ball into the box. Yeah. And when Georgie Kelly's in there, just put the ball into the mixer. And I know that's really simple, but when mm. you're two and three, one down, just put mm. it in the box to Georgie and, and washes in there to obviously, you know, bit of make a nuisance of himself as well. Yeah, and I, I know you, Matt Taylor's probably want to be a bit more patient in the game, but at times it's really frustrating just to not just put it in there. Yeah, yeah, no, ag- agreed. I mean, well, our goal came from across in the box, Coffee yeah. back post to Ogbeni, which was shocking defence, by the way. To leave him back post free is mm. criminal. But again, both those Kelly chances just came from McCart swinging it in and they were both good balls in. He seems to be a good crosser of the ball. But even thinking back to last season, the amount of Time Smith on the end of a reg cross, or well, yeah. just causing issues with a, with a cross from you know our, our centre uh, outside centre backs. You know, it's it's kind of yes, you kind of want the wing backs to be the ones crossing it, of course. But when you've got an overlap and a um, an overload on one side, you, why not trust your centre backs to swing a ball? And I, I don't understand. I don't think Bramall looked like he as dangerous as he has been. He looked very off it. Um, Again, Cuffy looked a, a bit tired second half. First half, he ran, run him ragged. I think, um, I think he was. I think he, you know, scared them a lot. Um, but yeah, especially, especially like you're saying with, um, especially with Kelly and Eves in the box. Why would you not swing it in? You know, it, it creates issues. It creates havoc. It creates uncertainty in the defense. And even if nothing comes of it and it's cleared, you know, you've still got another chance to rebuild again and. Um, do the same again, you know, it just it causes havoc and maybe Taylor doesn't want to be that manager to say, oh, hoofball kind of thing but, <laughs> I mean, look at Netherlands and Argentina is, you know sorry to bring the World Cup into this but um, <laughs> yeah, you know it's it works, it, it does and if you've got the players to do it then why not use it, you know it, it baffles me, it really does the amount of times that you just scream, just get it in the box is... <sighs> Well, I, that corner at the end was like the last straw. Considering as well that this keeper's come in who's meant to be a set-piece coach and we're still doing that is beyond me. Mm. I don't know why. I don't know. Was there a plan behind it? Was there a... Was it a bad pass, you know? And to, to then be defending a corner... Oh, ridiculous. Mm. Yeah. Frustrating, very, very frustrating. Shelley used to say we're trying to play all four central midfielders at the same time. Not sure it worked. Yeah, I, mean, I suppose this is down to Matt Taylor learning the squad, Danny. I think there's probably time and a place to play those four in the midfield because it's worked. Worked against Sheffield United, worked against Burnley, worked against Norwich. Um, maybe we needed an extra extra striker just to occupy their defenders a bit more. And again, we're talking mm. about fitness issues because we know that Georgia can't play in the full game and whatnot. But there's going to be different times where he needs to play different players and. I suppose he's learning. That's 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 all we can say, really, and he's learning his players and, and the championship as well. Yeah, and you have to remember as well that Georgie and Wash have come back from quite big injuries, and it's actually quite good we got those four weeks off because now they're back to more or less full fitness. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why we only went for uh, one player up top in Chio because we couldn't start those players, or, it, or at least they wouldn't have the same impact if they did start. Um, but yeah, like we've, like we've mentioned, you try and play that long ball to Chio, it's not going to work because he's not, you know, your aerial threat. All right, he scored with a header, but he was left unmarked at the back post, and that's how he scored. So if you're going to play that long ball, your man has mm. to be Eves or Kelly, really. Um, mm. But it's, it's not how we play. The game would have suited maybe Wash and Eves or Chio and Wash if we wanted to be a bit quicker and on the floor. And yeah, the game was crying out for it to be played on the floor, at least in our um, attacking manoeuvres. But yeah, it's it's just one of them things where, you know, we've got two of our best centre-backs out with illness at the minute in Humphreys and Hall. Uh, so we had to play Woody and Peltier. 
Percy hasn't had the best game. Woody hasn't had the best game. I mean, I said on the on the post match, Woody got old manned by their number fifteen on a couple of occasions. Mm. And your senior centre half can't letting the ball bounce in front of him and then letting the quick man get in behind him and get that ball first. And I thought we were poor on second balls as well. It's it's just it's just one of them things. I think I think that's games where you have to reflect on it and just go. It's one of them things. We were, we were both poor, but we were the more poor side, and we got schooled. Basically, so all I can say we got schooled on on the art of not being atrocious. <laughs> into it. Um, and yeah, I keep, I keep coming back to this. We just have to go again next week. Just take that loss on the chin and go again next week. I've seen a few people mention we could be in a relegation battle. No, I don't think so. I think it's just one bad result after we've played quite well against Sheffield United and Luton, and it's just like I say on the chin. Move on. Mm. A bit, bit like England going out in the quarterfinals on the chin, move on. <laughs> <laughs> it was going yeah. to happen eventually, let's let's be real, but we just move on. <laughs> yeah. You said the whole, if you look about the whole game, if that was a poor performance, but then how many performances in a row will be quite good then? So you'll take one one bad performance out of five or something like that, especially if you're a team like us that are trying to, that are just wanting to stay up. Um, on the goals, Mick, Obviously, there's issues with them. The first goal was Pelt- probably Peltier's fault, although I don't know what Wes is doing. I don't know what body shape he's got himself into, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, Vic- the second one, Victor's pushed the ball onto the player. Mm. I feel like he's really unlucky because he's got a decent hand onto it, and it's just the man was very close to him. Do you, do you attribute any blame uh, to any defenders for the second goal? I don't I don't attribute any, any blame to the defenders for the first goal, to be honest. Uh, perhaps Wes, like you said, may, might have might have done better. Um that perhaps perhaps Victor might have done better and give him a call because I don't think there are any I don't think there are any Bristol players in the penalty area. Mm. But if I can I don't know, I've not watched it back. So um we'll 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 gloss over the, the blatant foul on um on, on Peltier that led to that to that first goal, we'll, we'll gloss over that. Um, so, um, but, but yeah, in terms of the second goal, what kind of, I mean, yeah, the, the, the cross has come in, Victor's palmed it away, and he's, he's unlucky that it's literally just hit their player and bounced it back at net. Um, I mean, it could have happened, it could have hit their player and bounced out for a goal kick, you know what I mean? It was just, it, it is what it is, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, and then the, and as for the third goal, defending a short corner, I mean, that's just... It's criminal, I mean, though. The fact they didn't wake up to that is criminal. Just absolute schoolboy, schoolboy defending. So, Peltier not clearing it before that is mm. awful as well. Bramall didn't clear it properly, and then neither did Peltier. And then Bramall yeah, just didn't close down the short corner. Mm. Yeah, that, that, that I mean, it was a, a catalogue of errors that led to the corner. Then yeah. We then compounded with another another set of errors in defending it. So, um, yeah, just certainly the first two were avoidable. Probably the third one was avoidable. Um, but we get back on terms, and we don't we don't capitalise on that. Mm. You know, it, we again we concede quite quickly afterwards, and that's that. We've that's got to be something that we get out of our game as soon as. Yeah. Well, we we don't we're not very good at coming from behind. So when you go one nil down and come back, you mm. think got to start. You got to protect that at all costs. At least into half time. At least yeah. get into half time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Kev Johnson says, unfortunately, he thinks we are in a relegation battle. Sadly, John Morell says anyone below eighth is in a relegation battle this season. Uh, let's. I've got a question on Scott High. Where are we? Shelley IFC says wasn't sure about Scott High. However, it was his best game for us yesterday. Now the two games we've talked about yesterday and Hull, Tom, are Scott two of Scott High's best performances <laughs> in a Rotherham shirt. I mean, the rest of the team were garbage, but Scott High came on, yeah. brought a bit of spark. His crossing was a bit off. Um, yeah, but he brought energy and spark, and the signs there that maybe there is something, but he's not getting used enough to show it enough. No, Warren didn't use him, and then Taylor doesn't really. Well, I mean, without the injuries, I don't. He don't really put him on the bench. But I mean, a couple of times I've seen him come on. You know, he, he tries things that others don't, and sometimes it comes off, sometimes it doesn't. But sometimes you need that in a team. Sometimes you need a player to think, well, actually, let 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 me try something different here. And that's that's kind of what he did. He was like you said, he was energetic. He was he was neat with it, and 
Yeah, I'd, but again, what what can most players do in 20 minutes? Not much, you know. If you don't give them a run of games, then what can they do? If he's coming on for 20 minutes each game, yeah, he's going to get legs in him and he's going to get a, a bit sharper, a bit more match fitness, but how can he influence the game really unless he starts and we see what he's like? I'd like to see him in that position that Wiles is playing in. Not to say that Wiles had a bad game, but he wasn't influential enough for me. It's he's he's trying to play that higher role that I think he's got the qualities for, but he's not he's not used to it. He's he's he seems to be a bit lost up there, um, especially a couple of times that he's he's uh, last couple of times. I think against Sheffield United he works really well there, but other than that, it's you know I'd like to see High push on a bit more, but you know. It's, it's it's yet to be um yet to be seen with uh with Scott High, but hopefully hopefully he comes on like you're saying you know hopefully there is something there because it, us as fans can see that he's got a bit of quality about him so hopefully the manager seeing um give him a give him a shot I don't know <laughs> yeah uh, JB says we haven't seen enough of High yet to judge what I will say is he's the only player making runs into space the rest of the team was static yeah it made it made much better runs than Wiles did yesterday um. I think Jalen Simpson also says thought Scott High was good too. Yeah, I suppose from a from a from a substitution point, we all the substitutions I mean, had basically positive impacts. Jimmy McCart were decent, Scott High were good, Connor Washington was was mobile, and Georgia Kelly was very good at Tommy was coming eight seven eight, you can't really judge that. Um so from to find a positive out of the fire is he's making good substitutions, I suppose. Yeah, it's gone from Matt Taylor's gone from making, or at least now, few anyway, quite poor substitutions to actually bringing on the subs who bring um, the impact to the game. I had a little question mark on High coming on for Rathburn because I thought Rathburn was another mm. one who was quite mobile. I mm. would have brought High on for Wiles personally um, if he's going to make those sort of darting runs. But then again, he was making those runs and nobody was looking for him, was they? You know, you, you saw High peel off and run into the space. And by the time they'd even seen him, he was already offside and the chance had gone. And yeah, I saw a comment saying we were quite static from uh, from JB. Yeah, we were. We were quite static in midfield. We just didn't distribute the ball well enough mm. from midfield. Um, and our two best chances in, <clears throat> in the second half, like we've already mentioned, came from McCart swinging it in for Kelly. And can I just say, when we signed McCart, we said he's got a good left foot on him and he can swing in across. Yeah. And there you go. It just takes some quality goalkeeping to stop Georgie Kelly scoring twice. And that was a great save, by the way. That, it that was. It, it was absolutely fantastic. But it just goes to show the quality is there if we utilise it properly. And unfortunately, against Bristol City, we just didn't utilise it properly. And I've mentioned it before, just too many... A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Things stacked up and went wrong for us. So it is. I think we'll be, I think we'll be fine. We just need to put, put the square, put the cube in the square hole. You know, that's all it was. But we were trying to put the triangle in the square hole and it just didn't work. Mm. Yeah. Um, YouTube, a Mick rant coming on the referee. Um Samuel Barrett, I think we said his name was. Um, I said before, the last, I said in the last episode that the good thing about when he last refereed us at Gillingham was I didn't notice him. I noticed him quite a lot on Saturday, um, which is a shame, really, because I, I, it was it was a very easy game to referee that, I felt. There were no big decisions. There were no big challenges. I thought it was a very, very easy game, and he made it really difficult. He made, at times, some baffling decisions. I know you'll, you'll come on to what you think was a foul on the first goal as well. 
Yeah. I mean, he, he, the, the the word that sums his performance up is the one that, that sums virtually every single championship referee up, and that's inconsistent. Um, you know, there was a it was a clear foul on um, on uh, on Lee Peltier up for their first goal. No question about it. It was a shoulder to the middle of the back. England got a penalty yesterday for for virtually the same challenge, um, but he just waved it away. Um, and and he appeared when he was challenged after the goal was scored by the the uh, the Rotherham players to be to to put his hands out and say I'm sorry. He, his body language was was such that yeah I'm sorry kind of uh, kind of attitude. Um, but he gave that foul probably 19 times out of 20 for the rest of the game. Um, but but by that point it's too late. We're one nil down. Um, yeah, we're just inconsistent uh, right right the way across the board. So it's a, it's a difficult one for them because you know they're told we we're trying to let game flow and we're trying to do you know we're trying to it's a physical game it's a it's a contact sport and all this so you know use your discretion and let let some of this stuff go. But what what seems to be happening is they're punishing one foul and then letting the self same foul go. Mm. Um, and 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 it, it, it it's just it's just it's just poor it's just poor um, whether it's poor in terms of their ability or the way that they, or what they're being asked to do is perhaps another matter. I suspect it's a bit of a combination of both, but more what they're being asked to do, and there's not enough clarity. Um, so he, he was he was he had a bad game, not not a terrible game. But a bad game. The Richard Wood yellow card uh, was mm. the um, that, that was the strangest decision. That were crazy. Absolutely baffling. I mean, it, it just it, I, I, it, yeah. What else can you say? I don't think anybody in the ground, and probably even the referee, knows why he gave it. Um, it, it was just utterly baffling. Uh, but 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 again, it's one of those decisions that puts a central defender on a yellow card, mm. and it has an impact on the game. It has an impact on that player, and, and whether he's willing to going to be willing to commit to challenges, you know, it puts that player on the back foot. Whether it be a Rotherham player, a Bristol player, or whoever it is, if it's a central defender getting a yellow card, is going to put you on the back foot. And when you get it for something that nobody else in the stadium knows what you've got it for. It makes it it makes it even more frustrating. So, but yeah. you know, John Simpson says it was a blatant dive. I don't even think it was a dive. I thought he slipped, and I, I yeah. didn't see the player claim. I didn't see the player ask for a foul. The referees just decided it was a foul and booked him. And who was it? The... Who, who was it that was uh, was that went on the floor? Is that Conway? I think it was yeah. Conway. I think it was a dive then. Okay. <laughs> no question. Absolutely, no question at all. Fair enough. There you go. That's that. Then. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, Power UK says, "Why was Wes on the left hand side?" Follows that up by why McCart didn't start. I don't understand. How can do you I, feel about Wes on the? Oh, sorry. Can I just add into that? Cool. Why did Wes then go into middle and not onto right? Yeah, so there's, yeah. three, there's three parts to that there's question. Parts, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go on, Tom. Mix out of the third part to that for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. Um, Taylor Taylor said it was something to do with if if Wes is in the middle, then he can cover both sides with his pace. I think that was the reason behind it, which I guess makes sense. But if he's on the right, I think McCart's got the legs for the left. So mm. if you've got Harden in the middle, then you don't really need him there because if he's on the right, then he's got the pace to go up and down the right. McCart's on the left. He's got so in terms of that, I don't understand. Um, in terms of why McCart doesn't start, I don't know why he hasn't started before. Every time he's come on and sh he's showed up the defense, I, I don't think he put a foot wrong. Really, I don't think the goal was his fault. Really, and he, he seemed to have Conway under control. And I, I mean. Talk about his crossing ability. Having a player like that in the side is always <laughs> more beneficial than it causes issues because he, so he supports Bramall a lot more than um, either Wes does um, or um, 
Peltier did. Well, Peltier started to get into it, involved a bit more, but I, I, I just think having a left foot on the left-hand side is crucial. And I think as soon as we signed him, we all thought, he, well, he's a guaranteed starter on that left-hand side. And form of the form of Wes on that left-hand side, well, I think that's why um, Wes was on the left to begin with. You know, he's, he's played there all, all season with Hall on the right, Woody in the middle. I think that's why he played him on the left because he kind of, he can do that. And I think with them three in form, I think it's fair enough not to start him. But then as soon as that form drops and the injuries come in and, you know, with Wood, well, with Hall getting injured, especially Pelty, obviously is a is a good replacement for him. But fitness wise, and we've already spoken about Wood, Wood and Pelty can't really play together. I don't know why he didn't turn to McCart. It, it's almost like there was some, you know, I don't know. In all honesty, and I hope he starts West Brom because I think he's a good player and he, he gives us a lot of attributes at the back and I think going forward as well he's a threat in the box you know he won a few headers in the box he's got a good leap on him why not start him you know we were that poor and conceded three goals then why would you play the same back three he's yeah. beyond me so if, if the other boys are, are fit to play Humphreys and Hall then maybe he won't start but if, if they're not and it's the same choice of centre-backs then he has to surely has to start but we'll see mm. No, I think I agree with you. Honest, um, Chile also has Chio isn't a front, isn't a line striker. Brooks not he isn't a good defensively. I mentioned about uh, what Pelty and Woods can't Woody can't play together. We missed uh, Cameron Humphreys at the back massively. Yes, we definitely definitely did. Mm. Um, yeah, right. We're going to have a quick five minute break. Essentially, we are going to hear from Matt Taylor from Danny's five minute <laughs> chat to Matt Taylor, and then we'll come back and maybe I'll chat about the fans fans forum. From a couple of days ago, there's a bit of background noise on this, but there's not we can do about it, so just do oh, bear with it. Go. Give five minutes because it's worth a listen. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, first question we'll get mixed questions straight out of the way. Um, in the post season, would you fancy coming on our podcast and having a longer chat with us? <laughs> yeah, of course, I can. Yeah, it's no problem. <laughs> yeah, perfect. So, yeah, um. So, how big of it of a decision was it to come to Rotherham from Exeter? Because it's a long way. Look, it was a big decision, um, not just in terms of location, um, but in terms of opportunity. Um, once myself and my family felt it was the right decision, um, and we were fully committed to it. A big pull on the heartstrings in terms of leaving Exeter and such a fantastic football club and one which had been such a good place for me to develop my management skills alongside my playing career before that. Um, but the opportunity which was put in front of me was to manage at the championship level um, and to come to a club competing mid-table in the championship and we want to remain at that level. Um, I know we've yo-yoed in the past sort of six years or so, um, but we all know our aims and expectations and look to build something similar to what we did at Exeter. And is that one of your aims and to stop the Rotherham United yo-yo? It has to be, has to be. We have to be realistic in terms of what we can achieve and um, what we're capable of, um, but we have to survive first and foremost before we can start to thrive at the level it's something we've not been able to do consistently in the past um, certainly not in, in recent years so that's what we're looking to do to do um, but we have to keep performing well have to keep playing our best football have to keep improving the, the playing personnel as much as the environment and the training and the training ground as well and even the stadium um, people asking the questions tonight about the progressions we have to keep moving this club forward um, and the most important way to do that is to play good football yeah and we got that question from Tiny didn't we about um, three or four seasons time going for the Premier you have to believe and you have to have a dream there's no reason why if we can't become a sustainable championship club if we're sustainable at championship level then you're starting to look up and, and looking up he's getting close to the playoff positions and, and you know you've got an opportunity to get into the Premier League so that's not an immediate thing um, it's something we have to build towards but that's the end dream yeah absolutely and uh, how have you found Working with players coming in, you know, it's always hard being a fresh manager and there's always an established playing group there from the previous regime. Uh, so how have you found working with those players and how have they adapted to your style? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, we weren't able to work with them too much to start with because we had so many games. So we've been able to do that a little bit in the last few weeks and getting to know their games a little bit more, getting to know their football aspects a little bit more, understanding where they want to be on that football pitch at certain times, what their intent is um, at certain times in certain moments in the, the feel of the game um, and also drip feeding bits and pieces in terms of our style of play and what we want to implement at the football club. The, the, the way football's played doesn't change. Uh, coaches and managers don't have that big influence in relation to that. We just give them ideas um, and like I said earlier on, they still play off instinct and, and, and reactive players. 
we're our best when we think less. Um, we've got to leave the thinking to the coaches and the managers and just let the players play. Um, bit of a question for us because we've done a few podcasts on the World Cup and obviously how England are performing. But I'd like to know how has that affected the progression of the season in terms of you know just keeping the momentum going because it is quite a long break. Championship certain clubs in League One that haven't had as long as a break of us. Um, but it is quite a, a strange thing to have a four week break just as you're building ahead of steam, really. No one knows, ultimately, no one knows because we've not started back up just yet. Yeah. Um, I'll have a better answer after Christmas, a better answer at the end of the season. Um, it's strange because you get international breaks which usually last two weeks. I don't think anyone's ever had, bar the Covid example a couple of seasons back, uh, a period of four weeks of, of no league action. Um, and then within that time you have a, a sort of a training schedule you want to keep to and keep the players fit. But then also in terms of getting the balance of looking after certain personnel who are physically drained from, from the rigours of the league campaign previously. So it's about getting it right in terms of the balance of your decision making and, and what the players can and can't do. Um, and I suppose the proof will be in the pudding in the next few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, how did the uh, players coming back from injury doing the reserve game against Bolton? They were fine, absolutely fine. Um, luckily, we had a, a couple of in-house games, including the Sheffield United game and a, a game against each other. And the ones who we've been able to build them up from almost 40 minutes against each other and then 60 minutes in an in-house game and then towards 80 and 90 minutes in that reserve game. So, you know, he's been really positive that they've got to that stage without any reoccurrence of their previous injuries, um, which is the most important thing for, for all football players. Um, we've had it in the past where players have come back and then broken down again. So we're trying to ensure that when players come back, they, they stay physically at a level where they can keep on putting out a, a strong performance. Um, and bar PK, Peter Keogh, so at the moment, we look relatively fit. We've got a bit of illness in the camp, but I think everyone's got that at the moment. Yeah. And uh, yeah, um, thank you very, very much for that little chat for the podcast. No it's problem. Been great to meet you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Very thank much. you. Thank you. There we go. So there is Matt Taylor. Most importantly, he agreed that to come on the podcast later in the season. So, Danny, <laughs> that is how you do it. Well done. Mm, yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> we had the two most handsome people in the room interviewing each other. That's brilliant. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> wow, well, I was um, there as well. Was who there? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing. No, no. Yeah, I didn't say it, mate. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, um, thank you to my mate Carly for filming that for me. That was a, an unreal experience, if I do say so myself. Mm, very good. And especially thank you to the club, but Sam Todd and, and the media department for letting, letting Danny basically tweet out stuff um, and also letting, letting you have five minutes with, with the man himself. Hopefully, like I so said, we can get him on for a bit more of a chat. Uh, yeah, thank you very much, Sam. Absolutely class. Mm. Um, talk about the fan forum, Danny. Anything that sort of so we, we obviously, if, you, if you're not sure, the club tweeted everything out, and we tweeted a lot of stuff out. Is there anything that sort of stood out for you as like that's that's really interesting, a really interesting question, an interesting answer, or did you just get what sort of almost what we expect and what we have got in the past from these things? Um, the one question that really stood out to me, just because I didn't expect it as a fan, and I actually don't think the club expected it, um, was a question about the piece of land that they own in Tinsley that was mm. meant to be the training grounds. And, of course, we've got the contract with Parkgate and Roundwood now. And they basically said that if there were to be improvements at the training ground, they'd go upwards rather than outwards and, of course, improve the pictures that are already there. And, uh, and yeah, they've, they've basically... They're either in the process or have more or less sorted that piece of land in Tinsley out because the sign has been took get took down, and now it's just gone back to being Tinsley Social Club, even though there's nothing there. Mm. Um, and they basically said that were a, that were a bit of a bad investment because we never used it, and uh, hopefully that's a little bit more money into the club to do with what we please. Um, but yeah, my my main takeaway, and this makes sense because whilst I was <clears throat> excuse me at Roundwood working. They did a lot of work with like the um, the roof on top of like the sort of like temporary classroom buildings that they've got mm. there already. Um, so I think that might be a future plan just to go upwards and have like little separate rooms for everything, so they're not all you know just there and milling about together. Obviously, they're not going to get that third pitch that Matt Taylor wants, um, but hopefully, we can get a pitch that doesn't get bogged down when it rains. Um, so yeah, that was an interesting question. The question about um, 
leaving a man up whilst we're defending corners cropped up again. Did it, it was, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they said a uh, question about why don't we leave a man up to defend corners? Like, we asked this one with the previous manager when he did the fan for him and it's appeared again. Um, and yeah, Taylor's basically said we need to learn with that and sort it out and improve on it, is basically how he said it. Um, what else cropped up? Um, the use of the corners of the ground for putting bars and such mm. in. Now, I understand this because our lassies, um, she used to be one of the catering managers at the club, and I believe it's something to do with the licence in those corners. That's why we can't have like proper, proper bars mm. in there. But they're trying to find like community activities to put in there. I've got an idea of like a little mini museum or something, mm. you know, like a... Um, nostalgia museum or memorabilia whatever you could put that in there and i think it's just the alcohol license which is the squeaky bit um but paul douglas said they are working on it and there might be something in place by the end of this season which um would be quite nice to see i think um they talked about extending the away end like that question popped up they've basically gone we get into the point where we can at least have a look extending the stadium but and I like this comment from Paul Douglas. But I think some clubs have gone too big too quickly and have made the grounds too too big for themselves. I think there's a certain club uh, in S6 who's done that. I think their ground's a little bit too big. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, they've said um, it's a modest size for what we need as a club, and we're not quite at the point where it'll be financially viable to extend the stadium. But they are looking at it. But I don't think it'll be the away end at the extend first. I have a feeling it would be the east stand and make it either two tier or a bigger tier. Mm. Yeah, that's the family stand, isn't it? The yeah, that, that, that's yeah. not what they said at the final forum. That's my own interpretation of yeah. what they do, basically, because there is wiggle room with the east yeah, stand. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, cool. But, well, but overall, they talked about Taylor's um, <clears throat> excuse me path from you know, non-league into being a professional and then his education. And uh, because me, my lass and Carly are all, well, two are former Hallam students. I'm a current Hallam student, little. When somebody <laughs> mentioned Chef Hallam. Um, and then Paul Douglas talked about other aspects of the club uh, in terms of they are in the process of talking with the players' agents. Um, but he didn't say which players, which is, you know, fair enough, because you can't yeah. put, put all your cards on the table at once. Um, and he actually said that their dealings with some former players, they are learning from because they need to get better with. Yeah. Now, I imagine that could be Smith and Inekwe, personally, dealing with their agents, because he said some agents are very canny with how they operate. Mm. Um, and they need to get better at it, which I thought was actually quite honest and open from the club. Um, and hopefully with Taylor at the wheel, uh, um, we do know how to improve on that and we get these players tied down a little bit longer. But overall, the fans forum were great and Douglas and, and Sam and, and Matt Taylor were all asking fans for feedback. You know, how did it go? How did you think it go? And they just took on the both the criticisms, both constructive and some not, very, very well, I mm. thought. And they actually gave a good account of themselves. I've, I've had some people come up to me saying different to what they said. Um, but it's like, you know, again, you can't put all your eggs in one basket when talking when the media's there, which is something I've learned at uni anyway. Um, what else happened? <laughs> the, oh, the um, betting sponsorship question. Yes. That's the big one. Uh, and there was this one guy who said he tried to take his own life at Roundwood because he got addicted to gambling. Um, and hearing his story, I think, touched everybody in the room, certainly the panel members, and he talked about creating a safe, sp a safe space at the stadium where people in rehab <clears throat> from gambling addiction you know, can like, have a community centre and try and get better with it. The club have said they're going to have a look at that and start a, um, oh, how did he describe it, a, a consultation with fans to see if that's viable and how they can put it on, which is good. And this wasn't a, no a knock at um, the people who sort out the, uh, the sponsorships and the money in money streams at the club, but they are going to look at keeping betting sponsors to a minimum on the advertising boards. Because now we've got Skybet, which is fair enough because it's sponsored the I division. Um, but there's also 32 Red and Bet365, and I think they're the ones who are going to look at potentially getting rid of 
But they also said um, that they're going to keep betting sponsorships away from the club shirts, oh. which I thought was a big takeaway. Because you see some clubs have them on the shirts. <clears throat> um, and Paul Douglas basically said, that we're just not going to have them. We've had off- offers from betting companies to sponsor the front of the shirts, but we don't think we should do that because you know we don't agree with how how betting has come into football. It's the same with the, the smoking companies back in the day. Uh, mm. Paul Douglas says it's basically the new version of that and they're going to keep away betting sponsors from the shirts, which is quite good, I think. Mm. It's also good that we, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of football clubs have buckies inside the stadiums as well, don't they? And that's something yeah. we've never, never gone down the route of, which is, I'm happy about as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Plenty of good stuff. I think next time, we should, uh, next time we, I would like them to put it out on their YouTube channel so we can all watch it. I'd like to see it more mm. accessible to everybody or what, or, you, or people can watch it back at a later date. Um, don't know how doable that is for them, um, but that would be one of my only feedbacks to the to the club in general. We all we all wanted to see everything, didn't we? That that's the thing. Um, make anything else you want to add on, add on the fans forum. Tom, I'll come to you in a minute after if you've got. All. No, I mean I, I, we could make an offer to Sam Todd that we'll uh, we'll put it out on our YouTube channel next time it's on. If he wants us to do that, we'll more. <laughs> Do that. Um, even host it. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, Wilson. We'll see. Fair enough. Tom, anything you thought you want to mention about the about the fans forum? Uh, not not much. I mean, the question about that Giovanni Brown was interesting, and the January mm. uh, targets and whatnot. That was a that was an interesting protocol. Not ruling him out, but not. Well, kind of confirming that we're not going for him in January, kind of thing. I think that's fair enough. Um, yeah, I don't really know. He, he seems to be quite positive about the transfer window, which is mm. something that excites fans. I think. I think everyone likes the transfer window, so him looking positively on it is a, is a good sign. Other than that, you know, I, I like Danny. I like your interview, mate. It was it was actually <laughs> very interesting. Yeah, it comes across so well today. It does, doesn't it? It, it does. And, and the best thing is about that interview, you can't tell I was secretly bricking myself, can you? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he's it, it, such an open and honest guy, like, Taylor. I like he's got a bit of Frank Lampard about him, you know, when he seems to smile a bit when he's making a bit of a joke mm. and then going straight back to serious. It's, <laughs> uh, it's quite funny. I quite like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. yeah. It seemed like a good night, yeah. I think the... <laughs> The funniest thing that someone said to me, funnily enough, it's come from our lads. As soon as Matt Taylor walks in the room and sits down, she looks at me directly in the eye and says, oh, he's a lot more attractive than I thought he was. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> more attractive in person. That made you even more nervous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, Shelley RFC says she'd like to hear Mick rant on the England-France referee last night. Well, I'll give her the opportunity, Mick, but I'm doing my very best to forget about it, to be honest with you. <laughs> he was way out of his depth, him, wasn't he? He <laughs> was so far out of his depth. It was just ridiculous. Um, he, he looked like he just stepped off a, a Sunday morning football pitch. Um, yeah, really, really poor. Um, Coaching bags from the oh, really? Yeah. Uh, but then that's that's to be expected, isn't it? We've we've said that throughout this tournament that the standard of refereeing on the whole has been has been really really good, and so it should be. It's a World Cup, and mm. the standard of uh, assistance given by the VAR has been nothing short of appalling. Um, and and last night again proved that um, the the. The second penalty that England were awarded, how that even had to go to VAR, is, is <laughs> utterly beyond me. Um, I mean, that was just ridiculous. But anyway, yeah, he didn't have a great game, did he? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't want to go through it. Let's not go through it. Let's talk about this later <laughs> when we're all a bit less sensitive about it. Uh, is there any other Rotherham topic, Rotherham mentions and stuff you want to cover from the game itself or we want to cover West Brom in the next episode? Um, any player performances or comments or anything you think that's noteworthy? Shout up. Um, 
<laughs> That's how noteworthy the performance was really yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, we can talk about what Dan Barless has said to us after the match whilst we were waiting for a particular birthday present. I was sorting it out. Um, and now he said, he said that he was about on his way to sign his new contract. <laughs> yeah, he said something like that. And what Victor doesn't know is that hidden under that football shirt was his new contract, and now his signature's <laughs> on it. And the club's going to look at it and go, Why have you signed your signature with a one? You don't normally do that when it's your contract. It's like <laughs> only fools and horses straight, boys and girls. <laughs> but yeah, um, on his way back to his car, Dan said to us that he really does think we'll beat West Brom. Mm. He honestly believes that. And I think as one of the top performers against Bristol City, if you can say that, because I don't think Dan really put a foot wrong other than a couple of short passes here and there. I think if he says, I think we'll beat him, I'd take that as um, mm. with a bit of confidence, I think. Mm. That's one of the things um, I like about Barlasser. He just seems eternally optimistic about, about, his, yeah. about his, his game, but as well as his team. Yeah. He he's always seems to be the one that's right, we'll just go again. You can see all the players are affected by it by maybe a couple maybe for a few days. But Barlasa, as much as he was clearly down about it, he was right just on to next week and I, I believe we can do it. And it's not the first time he's said that, is it? Um but that's crucial. It's, it's, that type of personality makes crucial to have it having having a dressing room with it. He obviously won't be the only one, but he's probably the most vocal about being positive about stuff. Yeah, I think I think probably most of them are like that. Most of them are of that view. Uh, to a greater or lesser degree, but um, that, that's the attitude that they've got to have and they've got to believe it, haven't they? You know? Um, so, so, yeah, it's, it's good to see and it's good to hear from him. Um, and and as, as Danny alluded to, we spoke to Victor as well and Victor was of the same view. You know, he's he's, he's certainly the same frame of mind. So, yeah. Well, sure, I don't know whether I should be wasting any money on it, but, um, you know... <laughs> I'll, uh, I'd like to see it happen. We'll see. Uh, West Brom, obviously, mm. haven't played this weekend. We are three points ahead of them. They are currently in the relegation zone, um, so they could find themselves ahead. If they win, tonight, win tomorrow night and on Saturday, they'll find themselves climbing the table after their change in management. Uh, we'll see how that goes down. But so we'll preview that and we'll try and get a scan report done for next week as well. Uh, see if we get Mick to... Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. We'll call it there. Um, I'm quite happy we've got an hour out of this to be honest with you after the game. <laughs> Four goals in it, but I just don't feel like we're much to talk about from the game. I know that sounds strange, but it just, yeah, weird. Very strange oh. game. Very, very strange game. Mm. Um, so we will be back on Thursday evening on YouTube, Friday morning for the audio podcast. That'll be the preview to West Brom, the final game before Christmas. Um, and then we'll pick up any other Robin news that may or may or may or may not crop up between now and then as well. Please do subscribe if you haven't already on your YouTube channel. Uh, please do follow us on iTunes, uh, Azure, Spotify, Twitter, Facebook. Make sure you're following the podcast as well there. Keep in touch with any stuff that you want to... If there's any topics you want us to cover... Always feel free to get in touch with us because we'll talk about anything Rotherham United related, basically anything Rotherham United related to, um, throughout the next weeks and Christmas stuff coming up. Um, Tom, great to have you back with us and I think it's your first episode to talk about Rotherham United, so nice oh and Rotherham God, yeah. it's, been, it's been a long time coming, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> had, to come, had to come after that performance yesterday as well, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's good. These are good. We spoke to Howard after the game yesterday. Says so cathartic listening to people like us, or oh, frustrated and real. It's like a, like group therapy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> it does does work. Uh, Danny, a pleasure to have you with us, uh, and pleasure to speak to yesterday on the post match as well. <laughs> the car crash as well. We made mention of the car crash oh. during the post match. Oh, the car crash. Oh dear me. <laughs> you haven't watched the post match. It's worth going to the post match to see how rattled we get after there was a car crash behind us in the club car park. <laughs> um, it, it was just it was just a metaphor for the game, really, weren't it? That's all yeah. it was. Yeah. Not, nobody was hurt. It was fine. fine. No, nobody would say it wasn't a bad one. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, that oh, that was so funny. We were mid flow, then you just hear bang from behind <laughs> us, and it's like, oh my god, what's happened? And, and thankfully, the only thing hurt in the car crash was the front bumper of a Mercedes. Um, so that's probably cost more than it has to sign a, a new player in the January window, but anyway, <laughs> um, 
but yeah, we won't watch the post-match reaction because it, it is good. And like Howard Webb said to us, it is just like group therapy, even with the post-match. Mm. Um, yeah, it was great to speak to Howard for a little bit after the game as well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Mick, uh, always a pleasure what? to have you with us. No, my, only a minor Mick, Mick rant today, so that's easing you in. Look, just like the players, easing you in back into the season. Yeah, possibly. I, I, it's either that or, or these these officials have just worn me out. They've worn me down. <laughs> I'm not going to let that happen next week. I won't let that happen, don't worry. <laughs> I'm yeah. Um, yeah, thank you all for being with us. Thank you for, for listening and, and watching if you are watching. Uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Bye. 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 Vicious. What's got around the back? And Richie Wood has done it again! The magic man has come up with another trick! Well, here's a chance to seal it! It's done! It's Georgie Kelly! Rotherham United pathway back to the championship is opening up! Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.